Justin Thomas is committed to speak his mind, and I am loving it. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Data Access Golf, the podcast. Thank you for being here today. It's a uh, whatever Wednesday, right? Where we're just going to jump around and onto a bunch of different topics that need to be discussed here on the show. And I'm excited about it. There's a lot going on. Totally exciting, right? To go from the API and then jump right into the Players' Championship to have Tiger there. I mean, this is the strongest field in golf, right? I mean, it's just going to be super cool to see all, all this go down. Uh, I've been reading about how the course is playing. I played the course in the winter, so I guess I experienced it with the overseeded uh, rye grass um, and the slower greens. And um, I guess that's what the players are going to see. And there was some discussion that, you know, Tiger Woods last year hit like three iron on 18, hit like three iron, nine iron into the 18th green. And then this year he had to hit like three iron, three iron in. So the course is playing quite a bit longer. And, um, but the rough is a little bit more uh, forgiving. They said it's the, the overseeded rough seems to hold the ball up a little bit more, but it also doesn't grab the ball. So the ball is able to run through the rough and get in kind of the, the pine straw and some of the trees and things. So it'll be interesting to see how the scores compare to the previous few years and see who comes out on top uh, for sure. So um, it's, uh, I didn't, the course seemed pretty long when I played it, but I'm not a very long player, but really cool course, loved it, enjoyed it immensely. So just in the tease, as we started the show, talking about Justin Thomas, and I got to say, he has, and there was a little article about him today in Golf Digest, definitely go check that out. But just discussing, and I think we've seen that, that uh, Justin Thomas is not afraid to use um, his bullhorn, his platform, to kind of uh, call folks out on things. Primarily, it's been a lot about the USGA and the rough and and uh, I mean the USGA and the rules, and uh, but all of it I think has been pretty legitimate. I think that this Justin Thomas is a very responsible guy. He's a thoughtful guy. Um, I believe that he was uh, probably taught very well that um, that he has a responsibility. He has a responsibility to not only speak his mind but be respectful in doing it. And I think that he's doing it masterfully. So that is very cool to see. And we've seen some reaction to his voice. Some are saying, oh, you know, it's the, I, I read somewhere, the, the, the Kansas folks pushed back, oh, about the high school ruling and, you know, reducing the number of, of players on a high school team from five to four. I mean, boy, that's a whole other issue. There's just some folks that are really out of touch. I'm guessing that none of those folks probably play golf, have any understanding of what high school golf is about anyway. And when you get the bureaucracy, don't get me started, right? Let's get out of there. Let's get out of the muck there. But Justin Thomas reached out and said, look, this, he's from Kansas. He's like, this, you know, this stinks. And they pushed back, oh, this is just, you know, the Twitterverse and we're going to ignore it. That's their choice. It's too bad because I, I believe that there's some folks out there that are involved in the game, that understand the game, that care about the game, that love the game, that just want the game to be as good as it possibly can be. And when we see players willing to stick their necks out a little bit, and, and reasonably state some concerns they have, those should be taken under consideration. 
It was interesting to see the USG sort of jump out at Justin Thomas and tell him they tried a million times to get hold of him, which was completely false, and then backtrack a little bit. But again, it just goes to show you that what Justin Thomas is saying demands some attention from the powers that be. And I'm grateful that he's willing to use his platform to call out those aspects of the game that really should be, you know, revisited. I think the PGA Tour has stepped in and did a good job sort of trying to calm everything down and said, look, we had a seat at the table too. We tried to embrace these rules and make sure that they were going to work for our players. That does seem to have calmed it down a little bit. So maybe we'll get some things done, but very interesting. And I think that Justin Thomas is doing a very good job that way. So that's the first thing I wanted to jump on. Uh, the next thing, I, I just am excited about the field. I'm mean, excited. It seems like Tiger is going to be healthy, so he is going to be able to play. His neck was just sort of a short-term thing that he was worried about. Seems to be fine now. I'm glad to see that uh, Phil Mickelson <laughs> went out and tested the facilities, uh, tested the course, and, and figured out that it wasn't going to be you know, too thick or rough or whatever to be difficult for him to play. He's definitely made it very clear that if the rough's too long, he just doesn't want to play there. If the fairways are too narrow and the rough's too long, then what's the point? Hey, he has the right, right? They're independent contractors. He has the right to, to do that, but I'm glad he's going to be there. He always makes it a lot of fun to watch. Everybody that's going to be there, it's going to be great fun. It's going to be interesting to see the 17th hole, how it plays. Normally, you know, it sounds like that when you're playing in May, you have pr a prominent wind from out of the back, kind of quartering out of the back left, I think it is. And so they're hitting wedges, you know, essentially into it. Now they're talking about a wind that's a little stiffer and more into them. Now they're talking eight irons into that island green. That could be for some interesting stuff, right? That could be some fascinating stuff. Um, I don't want to brag or anything, so I, I won't. I won't do the humble brag, but I did uh, barely lift out a birdie putt and almost part. I mean, I parred the hole, but almost birdied it, lifted it out. And it was on the far right. I mean, it was an impressive shot and it was a nine iron. So we were playing a little up, but whatever, right? Still an island green. Love it. Think it's really, really cool. Okay. So the next thing I wanted to touch on, there's a couple things like on Wednesdays, I like to always do a quote, right? A Fred says quote, Fred Shoemaker, uh, one of the most brilliant minds uh, the golf world you know, has ever known. If you haven't read both his books, then you don't understand golf as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he really gets down to the essence of golf uh, extraordinary golf and extraordinary putting really amazing books and they have they have held up to the test of time I mean I think the extraordinary golf was written in the early 90s and and it is every bit as good today as it ever was back then just completely brilliant it is a timeless online we call it evergreen it is an evergreen book of goodness about golf so definitely take time to get those and read through those um, really awesome. But something that he said, I, I used this quote a few weeks ago, but I've gotten so many comments on it. I wanted to revisit it. So Fred's comment is, if you can't feel it, you can't fix it. Right? That's something that he said to us in the past. And so I, I stated it and tried to explain it. I guess I didn't do a very good job. But essentially that means if, I mean, it really, if we boil it down to, we have to know what our golf swing is doing. Right, and this gets back into this gets back to the core stuff of what we're talking about at Data Access Golf is that we need to know what actually is going on, the real deal, the actual data, not what we think is going on. Right? So if we don't, if we can't feel it, and what he means by feel it is if we can't feel what is actually going on, not just what we're feeling, right? Because 
the comments that I got back were, I, I can feel myself taking the club back. I can feel myself through impact. Okay, that's fine. That is the very basic of feel, right? That, that is very rudimentary. Yes, you can feel stuff going on, but are you feeling it accurately? Like when you are taking the club back, do you know if it's going inside, dead straight down the target line or a little outside the target line? Can you feel that? And if you make adjustments when you're taking the club back, can you feel that? Do you know that for yourself? Because that's the kind of feel that Fred's talking about, actual feel. And so part of what we have to do is use feedback, whether it's in video, some of these cool little pieces of technology that we strap onto our clubs or whatever it is, whatever we think's going on and what is actually going on, those have to match. As soon as those match, then you are feeling, quote unquote, feeling what is going on in your golf swing. That's what's meant by feel. Once we get to the point where what we think is going on and what is actually going on, we actually are feeling our golf swing. And once we get to that point, then fixes are possible because we're dealing with reality. We're not trying to fix something that, isn't, that doesn't need to be fixed. But if you are taking the club outside and you think you're taking the club inside, that can cause all kinds of problems. If you're taking the club straight back, but you think you're taking it inside, so you start to take it outside, that can call, cause all kinds of problems. So we need to make sure that we understand what actually is going on, and when that matches what we think is going on, that's feel, that's real feel, and then we can fix it. So hopefully that clears it up a little bit. I'm sorry for the confusion there, but hopefully that clears it up. Good, I think I've beaten that horse to, to death. Hopefully that, uh, that works and that's helpful. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on today, and hopefully this is something, well, one, I have to apologize. Somebody pointed out that in the Data Monday that we went through and uploaded, that I did not go through and take Francisco Molinari's numbers and compare them to our benchmarks. I did not do that, you're right. I normally do that on Monday, so I apologize. The show started to get a little long and I kind of uh, shut it down. Uh, pretty quickly. I like to keep them under 15 minutes. So anyway, so I apologize. I will throw that in probably tomorrow to make sure that we go over those because I do think understanding those benchmarks and really develop, developing a confidence in those benchmarks is going to help us when we go start analyzing our own game and comparing our game against those benchmarks, right? To see if our game is pro quality and to identify where we actually have real weaknesses as opposed to perceived weaknesses and, and then we start to just work on things that we think we're weak at, but we may not be weak at. Which brings up the last point. So I, I uploaded a graphic to Instagram, to the Data Access Golf Instagram channel yesterday. And it's essentially, it's just a dopey little graph, a dopey little graphic that I put together. And essentially saying that the, you know, the tour average for driving accuracy is 61%. And then, you know, did a little graphic it had like four X's outside the fairway. And, you know, I just created this thing with some, some little goofy uh, icon shapes that were available uh, to me in this little social media creation programmy thing that I've been using. Um, so there's four X's outside the fairway and then there's six round white circles inside the fairway to represent fairway hit versus fairway not hit. And then my comments on there were, about um, how we need to be realistic when we're playing golf. And so um, it's very realistic to expect that we are going to miss 
five to six fairways around. Right, we're talking we're going to miss four out of 10, so 40%. And if you look at 18 holes and you take the, the four, typically the four par threes out, then we've got 14 holes. And so 40% of those 14 is right five and a half, I think. So somewhere between five and six holes, we should expect to miss the fairway. But I think that when we think about that, so the pushback was, that's too many. I'm like, okay. I mean, if you're really good at hitting fairways or if you're taking an iron off or whatever, that's fine. We're just talking about, this is just tour average. So if you think that you should be playing better than tour average, good on you. I think you're crazy, but good on you. And if you're playing less than tour average, okay, then maybe we can work on that aspect of the game. But to feel bad about it seems a little ridiculous. We don't practice every day. We don't have teams of people teaching us uh, watching over us, checking out our track man numbers. We're just doing the best we can when we go out to have a, a good time. The whole point of that is let's be realistic so we can enjoy the game as much as possible. We can't get out there. I mean, seriously, I don't understand the point of somebody going out there and expecting to hit 14 out of 14 fairways. Why? I mean, I, sure, I mean, great, set a goal for yourself, but can it be um, 10 fairways? You know, that would be an extremely amazing goal. If you hit 10, that's above tour average. Is that good enough? It's just about setting realistic goals that are obtainable and then being okay. I mean, I don't even know if it's realistic to say that we should hit up to the tour average. We just, we're just not tour players. It's not our full-time job. I realize we want to enjoy it, but I hope that if we have these proper expectations, we can start to enjoy it. I do believe that if we stand on a, a tee box and we know that sometimes we're going to hit the fairway and sometimes we're not going to hit the fairway and we're okay with that, that's part of our expectations, then I think our chances of hitting a fairway actually go up. Instead of standing on a tee box and looking down the fairway and thinking to myself, my gosh, I hope I hit this fairway. And if I don't, it's going to be a disaster. Chances are you're going to miss the fairway. I mean, that's just kind of how our minds work. So if we get to a point where it's like, look, I'm going to miss five or six fairways and I'm okay with that. I'm going to stand up on every tee. I'm going to line up at a, a very responsible target down the middle or away from trouble or whatever it is. I'm going to put a good swing on this, not caring where the ball's going. A nice lesson, lesson from Justin Thomas the other day, right? Just not being so tied and wrapped up into where the ball's going, but focused on a target and staying present to my swing and feeling it and just letting it happen. Chances are we're going to hit more fairways that way than getting totally wrapped up and freaked out and worried about missing a fairway. But we're supposed to miss fairways five or six times around. We got to be okay with that. We will play better golf if we're okay with that. If, our, if we manage our expectations, we'll play better golf. We'll just be calmer, enjoy the game more. And that's what it's all about. I've gone over my 50 minute mark. Anyway, so hopefully that's helpful. I, I hope it's helpful. I just, all of these, I'm gonna start putting out more of this from these benchmarks, more of these tour averages, just so we can keep these expectations in, in a real place, in a helpful place, in a healthy place and then maybe we can enjoy the game a little bit more. And we should enjoy this game because this is the greatest sport on earth and it's not even close.
and I think I'm up to like 20 reasons, which will be awesome podcasts down the road, but this game is the best in the world for so many reasons. No other sport compares, not even close. Thanks for listening. Remember, better data, better feedback always means better golf. Till next time, thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com and we'll see you on the next episode.